G'day folks, welcome to Pause and Listen, a podcast series brought to you by Big Dog Pet Foods, the leading pet nutrition provider in Australia with over 20 years of experience in the pet industry. We provide educational resources for pet parents and are proud of being transparent in everything we do. The podcast series is hosted by me, Johnny Manning, and we bring you interviews and deep dives into pet nutrition, pet care, training, and regular Ask a Vet segments. So thanks for tuning in. Now get your tails wagging and we'll get yapping. Yes, welcome back to another exciting, enthralling and informative episode of Pause and Listen. My name is Johnny Manning. I am your host for today. This is a Big Dog Pet Foods podcast and a place for you to come to find out all manner of pet-related information. There you go. You might even get a few dog barks in there as well, which... (laughs) you know, only adds to the authenticity. My guest today, as has been the case with numerous podcasts, is uh, the owner of Montalbert Vet Surgery in uh, Melbourne and founder of Shy Tiger, the fantastic Dr. Nicole Rouse. Dr. Nicole, welcome back. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Love joining you for a podcast for Big Dog. Yeah, it's always good fun. And today's going to be no different because... We're going through a topic today that I literally know zero about. Now, before you say anything, I understand that is most often the case, <laughs> but it's more so the case uh, today because what are we talking about today, Dr. Nicole? Why don't you tell me and tell the guys out there what we're going to be discussing? We're talking about one of my favourite topics, actually, and and the topic that got me really interested into the integrative space actually and that's essential oils so yeah we're talking about essential oils and how to safely use them uh clear up a few of the controversies around them and hopefully give everyone a few practical tips about how they might be able to use them confidently with their pets so yeah i'm really excited about today you know what's always great is nine times out of ten whenever we talking about a topic there's always some controversy i love it we have to we have to tackle the tackle the controversy about essential oils well you know what so my knowledge of essential oils extends pretty much to a delicious bubble bath with some candles lit and a glass of red wine and potentially some like a little burner thing of essential oils burning at that point in time just to relax me so you need to tell me what in God's name they are because I know what oils are and I understand the term essential, but grouping them together, I don't really have a grasp on what that is. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I actually think you're not alone. I think a lot of people have heard the term essential oils. They might have been to a shop or a chemist and they've seen an essential oil, but that's then there's the leap that it really know and they've seen it might say lavender or citrus or something, but like how do they actually get that oil? Well, interestingly, um, most essential oils are made through a process of what we call steam distillation, which you will love, Johnny, is often how you actually make CBD oil too. I know that's one of your favourite topics. So if you picture a whole bunch of plant matter, so if we're picturing a whole bunch of lavender, or if we're mm. picturing a whole bunch of tea tree, because they're common essential oils, what, what they do is they basically pump steam through it and that steam will, like, I guess, extract these volatile compounds out of the plant and they all rise and then it's pushed over to a cool chamber and we know when, you know, 
when steam gets cold, it turns into liquid. So then it all drips down as a liquid and that's the essential oil. So steam, cooled, liquid. Yeah, and it's just pushing things out of plant material and it's all the, I guess, the actives um, that uh, the plant uses for its general life. And so we find the compounds that we extract out of plants that become essential oils have effects because they are there to help the plant survive. So whether they're there for the plant to help defend against um, bacteria or mould that's trying to kill the plant, and then that's why we create essential oils. You know, some of those compounds might be good for humans for antibacterial, antifungal effects. Um, it's, it's really interesting. But, yeah, most of it's pumping steam through plant material. There are other techniques. Um, for example, the citrus oils. Like you can imagine if you've got a whole lot of mandarin peel or lemon peel, you could it, you can just picture if you pump steam through that, it wouldn't really work. So what they do with the citrus oils, they actually press them. They're called cold pressed essential oils. They just press and press and press and almost like squeeze all the essential oils out of them. Um, and then there's other um, plant material that you can imagine is so fragile, like rose petals. You can imagine if you, or like some of the jasmine and things like that, they're so fragile. You can imagine if you pump steam through it, it just disintegrate into thin air and they will do what's called solvent extract them so they basically um, put them through like an alcohol type solution and that gets the oils they sort of filter the oils out that way so it's quite interesting um but quite logical as well in a way isn't it it's really old techniques a lot of it right so is the theory basically you could get essential oil out of any sort of plant matter absolutely that's the overarching theory Yes, yeah, exactly. So you can get plant um, and a steam distilled essential oil out of most plant matter, um, but there are a few other techniques for a few more difficult things like fragile leaves, like um, right. even sap out of trees and things and resins. Yeah, so overall most of them are steam distilled. Okay, so potentially at some stage they were burning these plants, right? And the mm -hmm. burning of – because it is, it is actually oil – it, or is that, yes. that just the broader term for the liquid that comes out? It is actually oil. It's a, yes, it's, a, it's an oil, exactly. Right. So, yeah. so at some point they're most likely burning these plants and what that they're burning in that would be the oil where you're getting the aroma or yes, certain yeah. effect from that and then whoever in their wisdom has gone to actually, oh, we can get this oil out without burning it and then... Yeah, so more efficient without losing, without any contamination and things like that. So, right. yeah, you would have thought hundreds of thousands of years ago, they, I mean, they've been using plant-based medicine, essential oil-based medicine for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. Um, one yeah, of the of most course. famous stories of the essential oil is when... Um, Oh, what's his? Is it Gatha Fosse? There's a French guy. I should have looked this up before the podcast. But basically, it was so many years ago. Um, and he got a really bad burn and he just instinctively dipped his hand into this pot of lavender oil. He was a chemist. And yeah. I'm sure it was Gatha Fosse. I know, I know. What? I've read this story a million times. And basically he didn't, like it was It was a horrendous burn. He should have had such terrible burns on his hand, but his hand went straight into pure lavender essential oil and he was absolutely fine. And so then he went down this rabbit warren of, well, what can, a, what can lavender essential oil do for our skin and, and how does it work? But it's, oh. I guess 
They're explaining the way that they extract essential oils will also then, if you think about it, it sort of then shows you, okay, well, then there must be a really huge variation in quality of essential oils because you would have some a little bit like dog food, isn't it? You would have some people that are doing it really well, really cleanly, really scientifically and following the rule book, doing all the things and checks, and then you would have some people doing it cutting corners, maybe not so good. So it's really important when you're looking at essential oils that we're using a reputable company that does all the testing, that does it all properly, that we trust because like the pet food industry, it's not that well regulated. So it's up to the consumer to understand how to, it's so frustrating, isn't it? It's up to the consumer to educate themselves. And unfortunately, We can't just trust what's written on a bottle or a packet or anything these days. So, and that's why we're all here. We're all educating pet parents so that they can advocate for their pets, whether it's buying a thing of dog food or a bottle of essential oils. So, yeah, unfortunately, it's a similar storyline with essential oils. You you can't trust what you read, unfortunately. I literally told you before we started that I picked up some essential oils from a market store. That I'm using, so they not for my dog. I haven't used them for Frank yet, but uh, we're using yeah. them for, for ourselves. And now I'm going, oh god damn it! <laughs> it's, right. it's really it, interesting with essential oils. I think um, you you can smell like a lot of people say, oh, I can't stand lavender. It's just foul. I cannot stand it. And and our, in Shire Tiger, our whole stress <laughs> range is based around this beautiful Tasmanian lavender essential oil. But the thing is, we all grew up and you can picture it. You remember I used to go to the Mother's Day stall and buy your mum that lavender coat hanger that had like just, it just yeah. smelled foul. Yeah. And those lavender soaps in the little mesh bag with the bow. Yeah. And they, I mean, I'm, I'm stereotyping here, but they probably use these cheap fragrance oils, which is something we can go into. There's a big difference between a fragrance oil and an essential oil. So, and yeah. a lot of people don't understand that difference. Um, so there you have like a memory of this really cheap, nasty smelling lavender oil that you might've even had a reaction to. People can have um, allergic reactions to some essential oils. It's it's a thing, but more commonly they're the synthetic or um, adulterated, what we call adulterated oils, which are just really cheaply made. They're diluted with other bits and pieces. And yeah, it, it's, it's a poorly regulated industry but they do they still call them essential oils though yeah absolutely absolutely and you look at it the um some essential oils are so horrendously expensive like i know i was showing my husband when we're buying um i bought some more ingredients the other day i had a a 100 ml bottle of essential oils that was 1500 dollars. so yeah i know it's oh my word. so expensive. And so you can you can understand then why some people will be like, well, I know people want this oil, but no, lots of people can't afford $1,500 and I, I can't either for personal use, but I use yeah. it as part of a recipe. Um, but it's you can understand why then it gets adulterated and diluted or other things yeah. added because the, the lay person won't be able to smell the difference. Oftentimes you're not going to get the same therapeutic effect from the oil or you might be, you'll be a lot more likely to have a, um, an issue with your liver or your kidneys or an allergy or anything like that. But they, some of them are so expensive to produce and so rare that uh, they do get picked on as sort of being adulterated. Yeah, wow. Mm. <laughs> Okay, so 
that's a bit of a crash course for me in essential oils as far as where they come from and how they're made and the ones to steer clear of. But what do we use them for, Nick? Uh, I've, the only thing I can think of is, is stress relief. Is there anything yeah. else we use them for? What else do we use them for? So as a, certainly as an integrative vet with, uh, you know, that use essential oils, I use them for so many things. But where I kind of gave a little bit of a seed of a clue back when we were talking about the, the plant and we will use them for a lot of things that the plant will use the defence for. So if you think that the plant has created this um, compound and they're usually um, different sort of chemical constituents, we call them like phenols, eugenols, they'll use them for their defence, so against bacteria and mould and fungi and things, and that's what they seem to have therapeutic effects for in pets as well as humans. So, for example, cinnamon has one of the um, most uh, abundant uh, evidence against bacteria and yeast and things like that. So it's also what we call a very hot oil, so you have to be quite careful with it. But cinnamon, pure cinnamon essential oil is amazing against bacteria. So if you think about all these methicillin-resistant golden staff and stuff we're hearing about, how we're getting antibiotic resistance, I genuinely believe that essential oils could be quite a key to solving these problems and giving us an alternative against what we're currently using. Um, so okay. it's definitely antibacterial, antifungal, um, but stress has to be absolute uh, number one. We've spoken in podcasts before, 70% of pets experience stress and anxiety. Mm. And lavender has the has so much research in pets and in humans as well a couple of my favorite studies i remember are reading they've done some research in shelters which is just beautiful so they've gone into some dog shelters and i remember reading a study where basically they diffused lavender essential oil so pure lavender they diffused uh, Roman chamomile, and a lot of people know chamomile is good for calming. We all, so lots of people drink a cup of chamomile tea before bed. They diffused rosemary, and they diffused peppermint. And rosemary and peppermint in the essential oil world are known to um, help your brain, like uh, give you sort of alertness. So if you're going to go into an exam, a lot of people that are in the essential oil world will rub their hands with a bit of peppermint and cover their nose and take a few deep breaths and you just sort of, your, your sense is alive and it's, it's fascinating. I love doing it. Hot tip, before, before a podcast, we should just... Yeah, I'm just writing this down. We take a couple of deep breaths, honestly. It's unreal. Three o'clock every afternoon, who needs a coffee? We should be doing that. <laughs> so they did that for um, the shelter dogs and they did it for four hours a day for five days on each oil. And then right. what they did is they assessed their behaviour on day one, three, and five. They did. So they did a five-day block of lavender, a five-day block of chamomile, rosemary and peppermint with a two-day in between. And there was a statistical significance when they did lavender and chamomile that the dogs had an increased period of rest. So they were resting more. They were moving less and they were vocalising less. How amazing is that? for our shelter pets, that it's we can unreal. harm them. It's amazing. Then they put the rosemary and peppermint and they'll vocalise more, moving more. They were like, they're on alert, which the shelter dogs don't need when they're in that environment. So imagine like just the power of what these oils can do. And you can't make that stuff up. Like you're sending people in and they're doing the assessment. You can't make it up. I don't, it's not, no. you know, I know we always want to see an effect ourselves. So I know if I 
gave you lavender to give your dog, you would you want to see them calmer and you want to see them better and you can almost trick yourself in a way. Even as yeah. a vet, I, I'll give dogs something for arthritis and the next time I see them I have to be like, don't just feel that they're better. Like, you, you know what I mean? You want to see an improvement. Um, essential oils can be the same, that placebo effect. But they actually had that statistical significance in the behaviour and a similar thing when they've diffused it in nursing homes. They've done some studies, particularly with humans with Alzheimer's or dementia, and the change in behaviour is extraordinary. So the benefit for the workers and for the um, shelter pets or, or in nursing homes for the for the residents, it's just, it's extraordinary the power of essential oils. And we, we I mean, I diffuse them in the waiting room in our vet clinic and people walk in and they just they love it they absolutely love it so it's it, there are really powerful things that we need to consider more so you're talking about diffusing it which is uh, putting it yes. in one of those uh diffusers funnily enough with a, a like a, a light flame under it and it burns the oil and releases the aroma is that how it works how does that no. work no, and so that's probably a little a good segue we can talk about how we actually use essential oils so definitely yeah. the most common and the safest way is through a water diffuser. Okay, what's that? Yeah, so basically um, it is a, it's a, you plug it into the wall, so it's an electric unit, and you, you yeah. need to get one of these done, they're brilliant. And you, mm. um, it's got a compartment, you lift up the lid and you put water in it, and then you put some drops of essential oil in that, and you quickly shut the lid and turn it on, and they vibrate, the water vibrates in it, and then it creates this steam as well and then the so just, then it vaporizes the the so there's um, no more, heat more going than, it, no no there, no no heat so it's vibrating the water molecules similar to a microwave would they right because yeah. a, a microwave oh, actually yeah. vibrates molecules doesn't doesn't it i think so but in a in a in a in a probably i'm not saying it's it's good i'm saying it's a better way to use than a microwave yes, yeah, because obviously no, a microwave has it's a there much a better things, way so yeah I'm not, and and it's a really good point. When we all, back to the like lavender coat hanger, remember when we were all talking about uh, oils as kids, we remember those like where you put the, the tea candle and you had the little ceramic um, oil diffuser and you used to put oil in there and it would heat. It's not good for the air quality when you do it that way. So it's also similar to burning candles in a in a house. It's actually not good for the air quality. So which is not good for your pets. So we really have to be quite careful burning things in a house. So that includes candles. It includes uh, the the tea tree version of an oil burner. And it also includes um, an open fire in a house. It's actually not good for air quality. As much as I yeah, love right. an open fire and I'm not, um, and I do, I'm not perfect, I do do an open fire, I just don't do it very often. And because yeah. it's not good for the air quality for anyone and our pets are like, you know, the, what's that sort of the canary in the in the cave? Come like on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. God, I should sing the song. Um yeah, we just we have to be very careful with air quality. So, yeah, as a little side note here, I really would love people to stop burning candles in their home so much. It's really okay. not good. All right. Especially okay. with those synthetic fragrance oils. They're just so bad. All right. This is great. So the water diffuser is what you need. Yes. The water diffuser is the gold standard for using essential oils in the home safely especially for people who don't have a really good understanding of how essential oils work. They're the safest way to doing it. So you can get water to feed, and it doesn't matter about the quality. Don't be 
tricked by marketing. There are plenty of good water diffusers out there that are at a very reasonable price. So I've okay. even got one from Chemist Warehouse, like, it, you know, and um, it's not sponsored or anything. Like it, there's so many brands out there. Like it just, you can get beautiful ones if you want an aesthetic one. In an ideal world with pets, I would get one that has a timer on it so that you can get it to, um, I like to just diffuse for two hours at a time with a pet because I think that's enough. Their their sense of smell is 40 times more than ours in of dogs. Course. And so you d- by the time that it's really strong smelling for us, it's way too much for them. So I yeah. use half as many drops as I would for a human and I only diffuse for two hours at a time and I make sure there's a door open so they can leave. So, yeah. so that's so, a, that's a, that's a safe delivery method. Yes, the water diffuser. Yes. Water diffuser. The, two two hours, door open, and half as many drops as you would a human. Is it the most effective delivery method? It, look, it it is and it isn't. So it is if you've got a, I guess if you picture a house and you've got a water diffuser in the house, if your dog's three rooms away, then no, it's not going to achieve anything. If I'm in a vet clinic setting and I've got a dog that's got pneumonia and I've got them in a in a cage and I put the diffuser in there and I tent them, amazing, can't get better. Like So it can be used um, really effectively and I absolutely, if I have pets with anxiety or stress, I will use a diffuser and I'll put it on an hour before people leave the house in the morning and if I can set the timer um, and I'll do it during the day, maybe once for a couple of hours. And then I might do it at night as well when everyone's getting home and a bit all razzed up and we all need to calm down for the evening. So I would definitely use a diffuser in a house. But the other method of application is um, so topical, so through the skin. So you can okay. actually apply the essential oils to the skin. But the trick is that they need to be diluted. You can't, there's not, there's a couple that you can use, but I probably, Let's just say for people listening, let's just not apply essential oils neatly. Let's always dilute them because it, it's a whole other lot of learning to put them on neat. Um, but you want to dilute them in an oil because uh, oil and water doesn't mix. So essential oil, you're diluting an oil. And so I, my sort of gold standard for that in a safe way is uh, about four drops of essential oil to a tablespoon of a carrier oil. And and my favourite one is actually for pets fractionated coconut oil because it's really I knew easy you'd to say get. coconut oil. That's what I knew you'd say. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So you can get yeah, that. Cool. Um, also, also known as MCT or medium chain triglyceride. You can get it from the health food aisle of the supermarket. You can get organic MCT um, fractionated coconut oil these days. Really easy to get. Um, so I'll get a tablespoon of uh, fractionated coconut oil and I put four drops of the essential oil in that. Give it a little rub. And my favourite, I love, is giving them a tummy rub because all your emotions come from your tummy, don't they? And also <laughs> it's, it's the most hairless part of most dogs, so it actually gets yeah. absorbed really easily. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And the, the coconut oil is a really good vehicle. It absorbs through the skin really easily. And yep. um, and then I, I mean, I sometimes rub their back as well because there are certain oils that we use for muscle and pain and things like that. So I'll rub their back too. But the main thing is to just to avoid their face. Is what about their ears? Their ears? Um, yeah, there like, are like some, the, the inside of the ears. Yeah, you can. Um, it's a bit more specific when we're talking about ears. So I will use essential oils for ear disease. There are some essential oils you can use. I guess I wouldn't encourage anyone to just use them without vet advice because I don't know if the eardrum's ruptured or you know what right. I mean, and you could sure. potentially cause a problem. <clears throat> but 
Absolutely. You think about all those pets out there with with allergic ear disease and how so many people struggle um, getting with resistant infections that have a lot of trouble clearing. So we can definitely, I've definitely used essential oils for ear disease. And I know there's a lot of other integrative vets uh, that do it. And I was talking to Claire Middle the other day, a great integrated vet in WA who's, um, and she has a magic recipe with essential oils as well. So yeah, there's lots of us that use them in the ears, but I guess in pets, I mostly use it for stress, as you're saying. Um, and the other ones I'd probably use are for, I'd say I use my friend Copaiba, which is related to the endocannabinoid system for like CBD oil, a lot for muscle pain, because it's got a lot of really good evidence um, so it's it's another steam distilled oil, and I use that, and I'll rub it on sore muscles. So you think all those dogs that have the sort of old arthritic dogs that have been for a walk, and they just need a bit of a back rub or a back leg rub, and I rub it topically. The good thing about when you dilute it, and you're using uh, most oils that are really safe. If they have a little lick, that degree of ingestion is not going to hurt. Um, but especially Copaiba, it's actually more than fine. Um, but there's all, not, I guess the ingestion of essential oils is a bit more controversial because oils don't, because uh, they're oil and oil and water doesn't mix, you've mm. got a high risk if they're not used properly that they can actually cause a, quite a, a sort of burning or reactivity to your, to your airways or to your um, esophagus and your stomach because they're not mixing very well. So you would have to dilute them a lot and it's just too tricky for uh, a lay person without a really good understanding of essential oils to know how to use them safely. So definitely water diffusion, the easiest way for pet parents to use, um, but you can also use it topically. Um, and I use that a lot with Shy Tiger. We, we've got, you know, most of our products have essential oils in them because I love them. Yeah. And um, so they're, they're, is that the – can you eat them? Is there any point eating these essential yeah, oils? Yeah, so, that, so that's the, the ingestion of them. It is – it's just – it's safe if they've um, – so the topical products that we use, if they have a leak, it's fine. And I have personally ingested essential oils when I've had a sore throat or I've have had an issue, but I certainly wouldn't encourage pet parents to get their pets to – eat them or ingest them just guessing it's not you you're at such a high risk of causing a problem if you do it inappropriately Um, but if you're in under the guidance of an integrative vet and they've told you to you know there are very there are a lot of safe ways to do it Uh, but I know there's a lot of uh, oil like the MLM type companies that have you know a lot of people have spoken over the years about putting a couple of drops of lemon essential oil in your water and drinking it 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 can be dangerous if not done well so don't just assume what you've heard for humans and just switch it straight to animals. It's just not worth the risk. There's lots of safe ways to do it that are more effective. You mentioned that study before in shelter dogs. Now that's mm. a certain environment and, and it's an amazing result. Are there any other studies out there? And and I guess what I'm getting at is you're an integrated vet or a holistic mm. vet there are going to be some vets who'll be like, no, nah, that that's it's dangerous, or there are risks, or something like. That. I mean, obviously, you're going to come across those those sorts of conversations. So, yeah, are there any are there any other sort of broader studies done or anything like that? Yeah, there there's so many studies that abundant. Yeah. There's so many on lavender in pets on 
um, checking citrus oils because citrus oils are really popular. They've been quite controversial. There'd be thousands and thousands of research articles on them. Do you know what's really interesting is that there's Mm. actually not one toxicity report in dogs or cats, and we can get on to cats later. Yeah. So not one toxicity report of a dog or a cat when a pure essential oil has been used of any type appropriately. So not one toxicity report. And if you think about all the all the toxicity reports of pharmaceutical drugs and things, even when used at appropriate dose, you have drug reactions. There's not one toxicity report of pure essential oils used appropriately, cats or dogs. So the problems are coming from inappropriate use or poor mm. product. Absolutely, exactly, spot on. So okay. yeah, inappropriate use, poor product. So if your cat has fleas, don't go to the supermarket and buy a tea tree oil over the, you know, just off the shelf and pour it on your cat and be surprised that your cat gets sick and you end up in emergency because A, it's, and I, I, again, shouldn't generalize here, but I can't assume that it's the highest quality tea tree oil and you haven't diluted it properly. Like it's, we just have to educate ourselves and use things appropriately because like anything, I mean, you can, water can be toxic if used inappropriately, can't it? Like, People right. have died from drinking too much water. Anything when used inappropriately can cause harm, anything. So yeah. essential oils are one of those things. They're very powerful. They're so concentrated. We've described how they work. They're so incredibly concentrated and powerful that they will be toxic when used appropriate, when, in, when used inappropriately. It's just life. That's so many things. But if we use them appropriately, they are so amazing and have so much potential. So if you've gone to the to the trouble of researching the appropriate high quality product you're delivering it in the appropriate way which is a water diffuser or um basically diluting it in diluting it in in i mean the the oil as well not water because it's not going to mix and that good carrier oil and then apply it in the way that is recommended you know only short sort of bursts with the diffuser for a few hours and obviously you don't want to lather your animal in it there's nothing reportedly that can can really go wrong. No, no, there really isn't. There, um, I mean, even when you're considering interacting with, like I guess we're thinking, okay, we might have a dog with heart disease that's on three or four different drugs or this or that, even using them with pharmaceutical drugs, they're very safe. The only catch I would say, and I don't really want, want to talk about now, is when we're talking about cats. We do need to Let's be a little it. bit. Let's do I, it. Okay. I'll, I've got um, I've got a second screen here, Nick. So I'm actually referring oh, to some things as we talk, oh, and I've go. got the, a uh, this thing about the cats that you've just sent through, and okay. I'm interested to del- okay. to delve into this. So cats and essential oils are probably up there as one of the most controversial topics. So lots of people, and if you Google cats and essential oils, it will just be toxicity after toxicity after toxicity. Okay. Don't use tea tree. Don't do this. Don't do that. There are so many reports about toxicities in cats. Even some of the most reputable vet websites will claim that they're toxic to cats. So it's it's everywhere. It's it's like garlic. If you Google garlic is toxic for dogs, avocado. It's a similar sort of storyline. And there's they're not founded. They're not founded. So I just, just Google I, I just Googled it. You know what the very first What? <laughs> Poison helpline. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> the very exactly. first one is like, oh, my yeah. God, there you go. Yeah, and then, look, there's lots of reports with cats where people have drowned them in tea tree oil and things like that. There's yeah. like, there yeah, are scientific yeah, yeah. reports on that. Um, but so the, the thing with cats, we all know cats are special. They're, cats are not small dogs. And there's nothing wrong with them. The poor cats get a bad rap, but they have a different liver metabolism pathway to dogs. So they're... In their liver, they don't have one of the enzymes that's involved in this pathway called the cytochrome P450 pathway. Anyway, <laughs> so it's a major, they're, they're, the major pathway that metabolizes toxins, chemicals, drugs, like everything is different in a cat to a dog. So that's why cats are very sensitive to certain things like ibuprofen and paracetamol and things like that and also essential oils because they have the potential to have a much slower metabolism. So if you're frequently applying, a, giving a drug or applying essential oil at a high dose of something, of a product that requires this pathway to be cleared out of the liver, then it can build up and up and up to a toxic level. Yeah, so does that make sense? So if you're giving... Yeah. One milligram and one milligram, one milligram, rather than half a milligram being cleared off every six to eight hours, half a milligram might be cleared off every 12 to 18 hours. So then the next time you give one, it's already got half and you're just building up and up and up. So it's just, it's different. And then if you add that, if you actually then had a liver disease on top of that, then you could be getting yourself into trouble. So say then, you know, then you're talking about it's not it's cleared every one to two days rather than 12 hours. So they, so they just have a potential and there's certainly essential oils that are higher in these compounds that are more demanding. So we we consider um, the constituents being phenols and eugenols, which don't mean much to most people, but think of the hot oils as your kind of your, your ones that are more risky. So um, your clove and your cinnamon, oregano, um, you know, those sort of spicy hot oils that we think of. You just got to be a little bit more careful of them with cats, but it doesn't mean you actually can't use them. Probably the only essential oil that I would say that black and white doesn't really get used by any integrative or, or, or oily vet, as people like to um, be considered, is uh, wintergreen. That's probably the only essential oil that really doesn't get used. We still even use tea tree in cats if we need to, but there are still a lot of other good oils that um, you you rarely need to use it because there's a lot of alternatives. And, and to be honest, even as an integrative vet, Sometimes it's not even worth using some of the oils that I know are safe because I don't want the cat to end up an emergency or somewhere else. And then the owners are like, oh, I'm using this. And then it's blamed for causing a problem. And I know it hasn't. It's just not worth the controversy around it. So, and if I've got other alternatives. Um, so I do pick my battles a little bit when using essential oils just because the, the the education part of it hasn't caught up to to where the research is at with it. So, But also the the, you know, the key point there is that cats are different to dogs, right? Mm. For me, I'm just like, okay, then you've got to treat it differently. As mm. a vet would in numerous other health issues, exactly. you can't apply this particular yeah. situation. And that that buildup you spoke about where it's not being cleared, you know, it's it's kind of compounding on itself as you continue to deliver mm. The, mm. The, the, the product. That's, in my mind, I'm like, well, that's how good medicine works as well, right? Yeah, so absolutely. You, you, you we, build we things up because you sometimes, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So that absolutely. so it's pretty clear that that system is there, 
but you mm. don't want it happening with this particular situation. So you've got to pull that right back and treat it differently. Exactly, exactly. So my golden rule for pet parents, again, if you're not familiar uh. with essential oils, is with cats, if you're not comfortable, just stick to water diffusion. It's it's yeah. fine. Leave the door open. Do it two hours at a time. You're not going to cause problems. If yeah. you're a little bit more comfortable and you're comfortable applying it topically and you're using really safe oils, so if you're – I'll give you three oils where you're not going to cause any harm to any – cat, dog, whatever, and that's lavender, frankincense, and chamomile, Roman chamomile. So lavender, yeah. frankincense, and Roman chamomile, they, oh, my God, you could literally, and, and don't do this, but you could probably pour them neat onto a pet and not cause a problem. Like they are so safe. You can use them for young animals, old animals, anything. Frankincense has evidence against cancer, against, I mean, I, if I had a dog who had a um, cancerous lump on their skin, I would personally put frankincense essential oil on that lump. Like it just, it's amazing. They're just amazing. So if you want to stick with a cat, I get keep getting sidetracked. You can tell I just love it. I just get a bit yeah, carried away. This is okay. So with cats, the very safe ways to diffuse, if you're going to apply it topically or you don't know your cat or you're worried about their liver, Probably just stick to using essential oils every second day. But don't be scared of them. There's so many beautiful essential oils that are so therapeutic that can have such wonderful effects for them and really help them with their stress, anxiety, skin, heart, liver, kidneys, take your pick. They're just brilliant. Um, but there's just don't trust what you read on the internet, I guess, is the main take-home message. So the, the, the other thing I want to touch on is um... – I can just go to the supermarket and buy one of those wall plug-in fragrance things with mm-hmm. lavender in it, right? And that's going to be perfect for my dog, right? That's what I'm going to do right now. If I go my and do that, that'll be – am I – am I – no? Oh, my goodness. Don't, don't do that. i tell you that. what, I know. If I could if, – if we even put essential oils <laughs> to the side and people are like, no, nah, don't want to do it. If I could stop one thing for all pet parents, especially cat parents, oh, my goodness – yeah. Please never get a plug in anything in your house, <laughs> ever, ever. They are so bad for our pets, ever. They're, Don't they're get probably these not great foul, for us either. <laughs> like air fragrance things that you're spraying around the house. The watch, like all the cleaning chemicals you're mopping the floor with. Like mm. our pets walk on these floors that we're putting oh, no. fragrance oils on and then they lick their feet. Okay, mm. and you're worried about feeding them raw food. Some people, I think, you're pouring <laughs> chemicals on your floor, and they're walking on it, and they're licking their feet, like they're ingesting the chemicals that we put on our floors. Please be careful with what you clean your floors with. Please be careful with what, like all the all the washing detergent and the synthetic fragrance laundry everything that you use because your pets are sitting on these things and they're licking and grooming themselves and they're ingesting chemicals and then they go into the garden and we've put toxic fertilizer all over our garden they sit in the garden they come back and they groom themselves they go to the park where we sprayed weed killer in our park and then they come home and they lick themselves like we worry about the wrong things as pet parents all these things we're exposing them to and then we you know we wonder why and then we're feeding them kibble and we're giving them chemicals there our poor pets they're just exposed to so many environmental toxins just every step of the way we've we just we need to um, just change our mindset with what we're doing, but it's not good for our babies and the humans in the house too. But 
the pets really are these canary in the gold mine situations where they're just they're just being overwhelmed by the environment that we're providing them sometimes. It just sorry. goes back to no, no, no. Don't be sorry. It, it goes back to the, the theory that I I reckon I say this on most podcasts. The biggest problem with our pets is us. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're, we're humans. We're that we're the ones that are making our pets sick. But it's it's funny you we say are, that. But there's also so many amazing pet parents out there that are I just know. doing the most amazing job and just. I mean, the number of parents that would feed their pets organic pet food or or this or that and go and eat two-minute noodles themselves so they can afford to do it. There yeah. are just brilliant pet parents out there. So. It, it was a broad generalisation on humankind, not the wonderful yeah. uh, pe- pet yeah. parents that we have listening to this. I know. And I, I, I think I'm, it's funny that you say all that stuff about the chemicals we're using around our house and in our yard because I didn't consider any of that for so long. And it wasn't until Sarah, you know, started saying, no, we're not using that, you know, horrible product in the house anymore. We're going to replace it with this natural one or this one or, or whatever mm. that is. And it's slowly, you know, becoming second nature to me to actually have that consideration for the pets, but also for us as well. Mm. You know, it's Absolutely. really starting to, to hit home with me as, you know, we can't have all these chemicals around us. It's just not good for us. No, why our cancer rates are so high, you know? Absolutely. I don't think the penny dropped for me until I had my own human children, I have to be honest. I think for the first five years of being a vet and even as a young adult, I didn't really stop and think about what I was cleaning the kitchen bench with or what I was putting Mm. in the, you know, the mop bucket to mop the floor. I didn't think about it either. But I think once you have... Once you're in charge of another life, whether it's a human or a fur life, all of a sudden you want to do anything you can to protect that life and you do start thinking about things and and then you start researching some things and you realise that really there's a lot of research behind a lot of the things that are allowed in household products. It's, It's really scary and I think anything and everything we can do to reduce the toxic load on our pets then control what you can control. Don't get anxious about all the things you can't control. Control what you can control and they will cope with what, you know, the rest of what life puts through them a lot better. You can't control necessarily what the local council's doing here, there and everywhere, what your neighbour's doing, what the person down the street's just handed them, but you can control what happens in your house, in your your block. Um, and I think, you know, if as pet parents, if we can do that, then you're doing an amazing job. And I think that is really, I, I, I get a lot of pet parents get really anxious and stressed about everything to their pets are being exposed to what they can't control. And I think the anxiety and the emotional contagion we put on the pets is really important to not do that and not to add anxiety to their load. We know 70% of the pets experience this. So I think my message to pet parents is just control what you can control provide a good environment, reduce your envi- your toxic load in the house, reduce your toxic load in the environment, reduce your toxic load in the food they're eating and do the best you can for the air quality in the house. Diffuse essential oils, have a, you know, have a, a pollution sort of diffuser if you want to. If you're in that kind of environment where that's a high risk, if you think there might be mould in your home or things like that, do what you can for their environment and don't stress about the rest of it. Because that is amazing. You're well ahead of most pets out there and, and, you know, pat yourself on the back. But I guess the pet parents that are listening to this, we probably don't need to tell them that because they're they're already engaged in advocating for their pet's health anyway, aren't they, Johnny? 
Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I walk in here every time thinking that I'm a, you know, top class pet parent. But every time I walk <laughs> out with, okay, this is what I need to get better at. And it's funnily enough, I, I tend to apply 90% of the things that we that I learn in here to my oh, own, own life as well, because I'm like, well, that's going to work for me as well, I think. So um, it's certainly educational, informative. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think... I reckon we've covered it. Have we have we missed out on anything, Dr. Nick? Have, I mean, I you're certainly yeah. Look, I don't you're, think you're passionate so. I about think, this. I know. I'm very passionate about this topic. I'm I mean, my my passion and and like you is just to break down those um and really expose the truths of for pet parents. So really help them with especially with topics that are a bit controversial. So I know essential laws are, are controversial, but I love them. I understand them, I use them, I get effectiveness with my with my therapeutic treatment regimes for my pets, they're just brilliant. And so if I can help people feel a bit more confident and comfortable about using them, um, and, yes, I, I'm, I'm really quite pleased we talked about the household toxic stuff as well because it's another passionate area of mine. Uh, and I think, you know, if people, if it stops and helps a few people to have a look at the back of what they're using at home, that'll, that'll help a pet's life too. So, no, I think it's been a, it's been a great chat, Johnny. We never really know what, what path we're going to go down <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing what's available on the shelf in shops, but, God, for <laughs> God forbid, don't legalise CBD and, and THC, for the love yeah. of God. Don't legalise something natural. Let's uh, keep mm-hmm. using these uh, toxic uh, chemicals that are available for mm-hmm. a kid to walk in and buy off the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we could we could revisit that again, but that's going to take us hours, Dr Nick. It will, it will. Yeah, <laughs> lovely to chat, Johnny. I've enjoyed it. Oh, that's good. Oh, once again, um, thank you because, as I said, I came here in here knowing nothing and I, I don't know everything, but I'm much more equipped to um, go and take the action I need to take at home now just with, with the, you know, the 45-odd minutes we, we've been chatting. So, Dr. Nick, as always, I appreciate you and I thank you for oh, uh, stopping thank you, by. Johnny. There you go. I really uh, appreciate it too. Yeah, it's always great to talk to you, Dr. Nick. And if you've enjoyed this episode, which no doubt you've had and you've learned as much as I have, please, on whatever platform you're listening to, just give us a five-star rating because um, it was good. You deserve it, Dr. Nick. I'll give you five stars, mate. So well done. Um, (laughs) Hey, Dr. Nick, as always, you're on all the platforms, aren't you? All the the social media platforms. They can find out your views on essential oils where do they go uh so we do i do write quite a few blogs and things on essential oils so on our website shartiger.com.au we'll have most of the essential oil information and uh, on socials i'm at shartiger health at dr nicole rouse for insta and facebook and then on tiki talk at dr nicole rouse.vet and we're also on youtube too pretty sure Covering just the killing it no absolutely Snapchat. across no everything <laughs> That's okay. You can probably do it without Snapchat. <laughs> uh, if, as I said, if you've in, enjoyed this podcast or if you have any other questions about what we've been talking about, you've just been given Dr. Nick's details on all the socials, but also you can email Big Dog Customer Care at BigDogPetFoods.com or you can go to the BigDogPetFoods.com where, uh, website. You can give them a call. Uh, and please make sure you share this episode. As I said earlier, give us a five-star rating. Dr. Nick, it's been amazing. Thank you. We'll be back again with another one at some point in the very near future. 
and your cat and dog, just give them a scratch and a pat from both me and Dr. Nick. Signing off from another episode of Pause and Listen. That's us. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information and content, visit the Big Dog Pet Foods website. Please note that the information discussed in these podcasts is general in nature and has been provided in good faith for educational and informational purposes only. The information provided is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional advice or care. If any of the topics discussed raise questions or concerns for you regarding the health of your pet, we recommend that you consult your veterinarian or trusted pet health provider for an individual assessment and advice. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.